New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Thomas Hubel is a spiritual teacher and workshop presenter who has dedicated his life to the task of exploring consciousness and supporting people worldwide in this exploration. He founded the Celebrate Life Festival and the Academy of Inner Science. He resides in Germany and is the author of Transparents, an adventure in seeing yourself and others more clearly. Join us for the next hour as we explore the essence of great wisdom traditions scientific learning, and personal experiences of our guest, Thomas Hubel. I'm Glenn Sabera. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Thomas, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good for being here. The subtitle of your book is An Adventure in Seeing Yourself and Others More Clearly. Can you elaborate on what this means for you and for your work in the world right now? So, first of all, there's a lot of talking in the world about being more conscious, being more awake, being more here, being more present to the world. And I think the practice of a conscious relation, like being more awake to the dynamics that are happening, being more awake of how much we are here, what we are doing, what we are saying, how we do it, is very important. Because the, the culture that we live in is a composition of our art, to compose the culture. So why not to enrich the competency of our art in order to compose a culture that we want to live in? And so, but as, as grown-up human beings, we know that we need to be responsible and participate in the creation of our lives. And grown-up means that I will be part of it. So everybody needs to know that we need to do something for it, that we live in a world that we really desire. And so we develop now uh, tools that help us improve this co-creation. And one of it is, uh, for example, the uh, transparent communication. Transparent communication assumes that every human being actually radiates a lot of information to their lives, into the world. But often we are so consumed by ourselves that we don't pay attention to it. Because our career, this, 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 and our, all our inner process clouds actually how we see the world. Because it's very separate often. But the more we open up, the more we really relate to people. And I often say, intimacy is when I can see the world through your eyes. Everything before is very separate. 
So real intimacy happens when I learn to see the world through your perspective. Even if I don't agree with your perspective. It doesn't mean that I need to agree with the way how you see the, the world. But if I relate to you, I need to see how you see the world in order to communicate. And so we learn how to become more open and competent in the perception of the information that people communicate with words and most of it be beside the words. Many people are suddenly surprised how much more information we have available in the way we live our lives. And this is inner information in form of in intuition and inspiration. It's so-called outer information that we perceive from other people and both together improves the way we live our lives. And it improves the way we run companies or we work it uh, improves the way how we live in intimate relationships, how we educate our children. So there are many parts that can be actually an art. And as, as we know, the great composers, it has a reason why so many people worldwide listen to Mozart. It has a reason because there are some composers that came from a different place. So they, they professionalize the art into a degree that touches many people. And so why cannot we become people that make communication an art, an art of seeing, of realizing potential, respect? You know, there are many qualities. And this channel is always available to us in every interaction. Right. And what I've heard you describe, too, as a way of getting here is to think of it as two different competencies that make up this ability. Right. It's the competency of silence, which means that we allow within ourselves more centeredness, more spacious awareness, and more seeing of my own inner process, my thinking, my feeling, my body sensations. So if I'm more aware of the structure of my personality, I'm more free. If I can see my thinking, I'm not so stuck in my thinking. But if my thinking is everything that I have, so I constantly need to think. So the meditative and contemplative practices are uh, giving us this competency, you know, the competency to, to really see the structures of consciousness. And the other side is the competence of movement. So how can I really live on the marketplace, in life, in my day-to-day -day practice and um, live according to the universal principles? And more and more learn how I can be kind of a self-updating movement in life, which means that I'm not afraid of change. Most of the people are afraid of change. They want to have a safe place and then stay there forever. But then life always comes because life is developing and pushes us. And the, the pressure in my body is also the evolutionary pressure when I hold on to one version of myself and life wants to continue its movement. So you see it also in people. Some people, they have a good idea, they make a company, they make a lot of money, but then they miss the next call. So, and then the wave goes down, but they are holding on to what they have. And there are other people that are constantly innovative. You know, they create something, it works, and then they are already off to the next idea. So they are constantly listening to the... And these are the truly creative people of our society. So... And how can we become a, a movement in life that is updating voluntarily? So wisdom is actually the way that I know when to create a structure and when to move on. And then wherever I will come, 
it will be inspiring, it will be creative, it will be updating, because the nature of who I am is change. And many people, the nature of who they are is a personality. So the competence of change and movement is equally important than the competence of silence, stillness, inner peace. So, and if we practice them both, which also means in the competence of movement, I need to look for the integration of my shadow areas, because shadow areas are reduced movement or reduced change. So I will integrate them in order to live my life more fully. And I think everybody knows it, when, when we are really in a creative flow, it feels very good, we feel very happy, and in the parts of our lives where we are in a flow, we don't have many questions. So questions always arise in areas in our lives where we feel more blocked, where we feel more separate. So questions are actually the symptoms of separation. And we're talking to you today just after a five-day workshop you led, an intensive. And I'm wondering what kind of practice or what emerged of each of these separate competencies during the workshop. One of stillness, one of movement. So people feel naturally more resting in themselves is the competence of stillness. You know that the inner world is not so hectic, but it becomes a bit more peaceful and more peaceful. And suddenly after feeling, oh, I can be. Most of the people, they're afraid of, to be. Therefore, they're constantly active. So we can be, and at the same time, we can be even more effective. So we can be, and we can relate more deeply to the world. So the second thing that people realize is, oh wow, if I'm really here, there's so much more information to what's happening to different conversations. So if people speak about the problem in their life, suddenly I can pick up how this problem composes itself. And if we communicate on such a level of seeing and interaction, first of all, we are not stuck on problems because we, we immediately look at the source of it so we don't stay with the symptom, so we, we go to the source of it. And the source of it is a movement that wants to develop. So evolution, problems are just the agents of evolution that knock on your door and say, listen, you need to move. And then you close the door and say, no, I don't want. So then you have a problem. But if you open the door and let the agent in, and you say, okay, I move voluntarily, so then life takes you and helps you to develop further. And we are all... Like we are coming from thousands of years of evolution, they play through us, through our thoughts, through our emotional and societal habits. And so we need to update it. And to become truly innovative or truly um, genuine is when we transcend, in a way, the level of thousands of years of evolution and we become inspired by the future potential of humanity. Like the great genius people, they came with, with innovations and insights that were amazing. And, and humanity lives from this two or three hundred years later. What is if more and more people become genius in their own lives? You know, and it's not about being famous, it's about being creative where we are. It's in day-to-day -day life, in small things, in big things. But we are connected. We are connected to the stream of life which means we're actually reconnecting to the creative drive of the universe. And your work is actually manifesting this uh, in the world with the German education system, for example. Right. So 
um, one participant of our three-year training program is actually working with the government in, in uh, Germany on the vision for the next 10 years of education. And, uh, and then there is a second initiative that comes out how to transform the knowledge-based education into a potential-based education and how to transform many schools in Germany into a different level of potential-based uh, centers. And so this is very exciting and because then we see that the whole, um, also the, 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 the knowledge that spiritual intelligence brings additional to intellectual, emotional, social and so on intelligences, actually we speak to a holistic human being and uh, there are many, many contributions that we can make to, to update our society in a more contemporary and more functional society. And another amazing contribution you're making is also talking about the, the German collective. Right. Yeah, we did big events for the integration process of the Holocaust shadow, which I believe will in the future come more and more that we will literally take care of the base, the basement of our life. And cultural shadows or collective shadows can have an effect on many people's lives. So I think we need to learn to create tools that work on a collective level. And so this is what we did also in connection to Israel. And uh, I think it's a very powerful and necessary work. This is very important work for all of us, individually and collectively. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with Thomas Hubel. He's the author of Transparence, an adventure in seeing yourself and others more clearly. If you'd like to be in touch with Thomas or want to learn more about his work, you can go to his website, thomashubel.com, T-H-O-M-A-S-H-U-E-B-L.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Glenn Sabera. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Thomas Hubel. He's the author of Transparence, an adventure in seeing yourself and others more clearly. If you'd like to be in touch with Thomas or want to learn more about his work, you can go to his website, thomashubel.com, T-H-O-M-A-S-H-U-E-B-L.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Thomas, we spoke a bit about the scientific world, and I'm wondering if you can elaborate on your shift into integrating the mystical into what your offering is in the world. So, um, in the times when I studied medicine, 
there was a deep love to the to the scientific revelation and there was a time where I thought wow 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 so I was really into it because I discovered oh this is how the human body works or this is what we think how the human body works and then and then more and more I discovered through other other literature which included body work or Wilhelm Reich or Freud or whatever so that oh there is another world that I was not so aware of because I was very much in emergency medicine and I you know I was also working as a volunteer for the paramedics in in Austria and so then I I discovered wow there's something that I never heard of like kind of a body energy and all this stuff but it deeply spoke to me it spoke to me that there there human the human nature is actually a composition of different levels of, of dimensions of humanity and these dimensions include my physical nature my emotional nature my intellectual nature my social nature but also let's say a bit more or higher spiritual natures and then i started i thought wow i want to explore this if i really want to understand the human nature i need to give myself to the experiment same as if I want to play soccer, I need to give myself to the training and then I will find out what playing soccer means. And I cannot talk about it when I don't know what it is. You know, otherwise I'm always an external viewer, but I, don't, I didn't make the experiment myself. So I think um, for many people it will be very important to know that the to, to research about the deeper spiritual dimension means that we need to give ourselves to the experiment to look at it. And then we can talk about it. Because if I have no idea and I'm just suspicious, but I don't know what they're really talking about, then I will always uh, feel like an external viewer. So and I believe that there are, we have traditions, like Kabbalah traditions, the Taoistic traditions, Islamic tradition, and so on, the Christian tradition, and the old, uh, the Eastern, Far East traditions, that um, people were giving their lives to research on methods and the depth of human consciousness. And some, there were many people that, like in every field, you know, you have many people that play the piano, but there are some people that you love to listen to because when they play, there's a magic. And there were some people in the spiritual or contemplative traditions that somehow, and this we can explore maybe later, they tapped into a very profound level of understanding. And their sharing was rich. Like when they were sharing about it, only pearls came out. And these pearls inspired other people to go for also a, a research, an inner research. And I believe that we live in a time that is scientifically informed and that science has given so much benefit to the human life. It has reduced so much suffering and it has improved the life quality a lot. Of course, this also has a shadow side. So every, every new level of development has a pathology. But we don't want to judge the level of development by the pathology only. So of course we see how what happens to our environment, what happens to our global understanding, and so there are many, many questions that come. But there are questions that we need to challenge. It's not to go back to something else. It's just we go with the development and we challenge these challenges. But um, I think the path of the realization that the, the beauty of the outer science how I call it, and the beauty of the inner science, the contemplative science, uh, 
when they merge, and I think we are living in the age where the traditional, the more traditional form of seeing, the religious form of seeing things, needs to be updated in a way. Because many, many scientifically informed people, they don't resonate fully with it. But it means that the spiritual line of development, so how the spiritual understanding also develops by the time into different ways and more contemporary ways, um, without losing the intensity. So there is a kind of a chance that we have at the moment that the scientific understanding and the mystical understanding will come together, will talk to each other, will explore each other, what also happens, and they will not make kind of assumptions that are just out of the blue, but they will have a, a good, uh, fruitful relation. And, and I think that our time is ready for this. It seems that your work is intent on showing the compatibility or even the supportive nature of both these disciplines. Right. right. And is this what your academy is doing these days? Yes, the academy is called the Academy of Inner Science because we, we want to create or we, create, we are creating an institution that more and more people can come to, they can learn about this, what I call inner science, the science of awakening, so that we can learn to freely move in a territory that might seem a bit unknown on the beginning. But we also work together, for example, with a three-year training program in Germany, and we work together in the first training program with a university in, in, in the middle of Germany that does brain research. So we have actually like uh, some works being written about this research in the academic world, about a, a theory of how meditation and, and mindfulness works. And people did MRI scans, EEG scans, and so. And we followed the training and the progress of people in the training in their meditation practice. And some very beautiful results came out. So for me, it's very clear that we need to, to play in both worlds and that there is a very interesting dialogue going on here. And so I believe that there is a lot of fruit, there are a lot of fruits that are coming out from this dialogue, yeah. And the people who come to your academy, which disciplines do they tend to come from? They come from basically all walks of life. So we have a basic three-year training program in the inner science part. It's called timeless wisdom training. But then we have, um, we created what we call research study circles. One is consciousness and business, consciousness and education, consciousness and medicine and therapy. And we research with professionals, so psychologists and doctors, professional business people or coaches, teachers, university teachers, and we research how the mystical understanding and the understanding of universal principles can help and update with the professional knowledge in each department uh, to create more functional ways in various fields that compose our society. So, because for me it's very important that the spiritual practice will, have, will be of service to the greater life that we are living in, all of us. So I think we need to serve with our insights also the, the context that we are living in and not be too isolated. So we need a, a kind of a shelter for the practice, but we need to be globally informed and participate. And 
So for me, it's very interesting how like a deeper spiritual insight and the competency of innovation, which I think is, an, is, a, is a competency of spiritual practice, how innovation can be learned and can be applied upon business, how it can be applied upon our uh, teaching models that we have, and so on. So how can we actually become an updating, innovative force in whichever field we are working in. And if someone works in technology, it works there. And if somebody works in uh, social sciences, it will work there. So it will work everywhere because it's a natural principle that creates the setups that we are living in. So, yeah. And I know right now one of the movements that you're taking in the world through this is through the education system. Right. And working with uh, the German education system. Can you talk a bit about that program? Yes, I mean, it's uh, one of the participants of this three-year training program is uh, working at the moment with uh, the government in Germany. And he is uh, the dean of a, a university in Berlin. And he was chosen to be one of three people that will create a vision for the next 10 years of education in Germany. And... He does a civil society movement for the update of the knowledge-based education into uh, potential-based education. And I believe that this is a, a beautiful move and it's, uh, it's a big move. So that to, to learn about how we can see the potential of young people of, of students in universities and how we can we can support this potential through through a direct recognition seeing feeling awareness and then to see how we can support it so that when people go out of the educational programs these are freely thinking creative open people that know what it means to take responsibility for their inner life that can be leadership figures of the future that are grounded, that are centered, that know when they project shadow parts into the world, that know what is the creation of shadow parts in our companies, in our institutions, how much energy is being wasted on this because it's not being realized often and acted upon. So if we can fuse or make a fusion between inner science and outer science, and our study programs in universities and in schools even will teach us basic principles of a sustainable life, a physical, emotional, intellectual, social, artistical, intuitive and spiritual life. So we literally speak to the spectrum that composes a human being. And everybody has a different composition. So some people will be very happy in an intellectual-based schooling system. But some people will be very unhappy with this because this is not their potential. But they are running through a norm of a system that doesn't speak to them. So how do you feel when you spend 12 years of your life in a system that doesn't really get who you are? You will be frustrated. You will create maybe a lot of resistance. You will look for external ways how to satisfy your needs. So there are a lot of side effects of this. So it seems that the movement into action in the world, that competency of yours, can have many different manifestations. That that will look different for each person depending on where they're coming from. And then this competency of the stillness is an underlying or source foundation for whatever movement may appear like. Right. It's like if you take a piece of paper 
and you have something written on it. Or when people read a book. So mostly when you read a book, you scan the letters and the words and it makes a meaning in your mind. So, but most of the time, if you remember, when you read a book, you forget that you're looking at paper because you're so consumed by the meaning of the words. So what the, the sages and the saints of all traditions, I think, claimed is that we should not forget the paper where the words are written on. The paper is the stillness, the words are the movement. Right. I'm here with Thomas Hubel. He's the author of Transparence, an adventure in seeing yourself and others more clearly. If you'd like to be in touch with Thomas or want to learn more about his work, you can go to his website, thomashubel.com, T-H-O-M-A-S-H-U-E-B-L.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Glenn Sabera. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Thomas Hubel. He's the author of Transparence, an adventure in seeing yourself and others more clearly. Thomas, we were talking about the two competencies of stillness and movement and relating that to the idea of a sheet of paper. I'm wondering, can you elaborate on this? So, if we, if we take it back, so the sheet is consciousness itself. It's the space in which everything is arising. It's the space that people found in deep meditation. It's the space that is, I believe, the space where all the inspiration comes through. Because most of the time, as a, as a human being, we identify it with our, the sensations of our body, the feelings, the emotions that we have, the thoughts that we have and the mental constructs that we're living in and the outer, the perception of the outer world. So what, what is the theater play that we're living in? So in the great contemplative traditions taught us for, for many thousands of years that there is, when we go into deeper states of meditation, many things start to disappear, but something very profound and simple stays. And this simplicity, this profound simplicity is very peaceful. And this peaceful underlying simplicity is actually always here. So when some people say, how far am I away from God? It's like the question, if you, if you write, if you paint one figure and another figure on a paper, and then you ask, how far am I away from the paper? You know, you're always, the emptiness is always same far away or same close, because you're never separate from it, because you happen in it. But the activity of my mind and the activity of my thinking and the meaning, so when I read the words, I'm in a story. And if, I, if I'm in the story, so I'm consumed by the meaning. And then I forget that I look at paper. So often we walk through our lives and we are so identified with the structure of who we are, our identity, our personality, our career, whatever we experience, if it's good, if it's not good, and so on. 
But then we lose the spaciousness. And the spaciousness gives us a freedom. It's spaciousness is the awareness to the process. And so when we have more awareness to the process, we can see the process happening, but we are not the, the full prisoner of it. So when, when stressful thoughts come up, and you can see them coming up, so you don't need to jump in them and go another cycle of stressful thinking. So you can just contemplate them and let them pass by. When you talk to people and you're in a conflicted situation, if you have more space inside, it's easier that a new idea and a new way to deal with this uh, challenging situation will come through. So suddenly, and many people know this, when they walk through life, suddenly they say something and they are surprised by what they are saying. So suddenly, oh wow, this was good, because you didn't say this before and you didn't plan on saying it. And I always say in the talks, when, when you don't have enough moments where you're surprised by yourself with what you're saying, you need to look at your life. Because being surprised by what comes through you, what you didn't premeditate, what you didn't learn, suddenly you say something and it hits the point of a situation, it solves a conflict, it, it's creative, it's a revelation, an insight. So something from the future came through you and has been expressed. And when I say the future, I don't mean what is happening tomorrow. I mean more what we can develop into if tomorrow is an update of today. Because often people go into imaginary futures because they don't like their life. I'm not talking about this future. I'm talking about a future that happens because I'm so present, I can actually access something that is beyond our ceiling, our ceiling of awareness. You know, if our consciousness is the ceiling of what we can see. So everything that is above the ceiling, I cannot see. This is my future development, the potential. So, and innovation, I believe, is that people can create more space so they don't forget fully the paper. And then through the space, then you can, new information can come in, creativity can come in. And I said today there, I read once a very famous uh, physicist in Germany said once when I, that, that when he was walking in the park, the most amazing insights came through. Why? Because there is a relaxation of the thinking and suddenly there is more space for intuition to come in. And, and I think that there it shows how spiritual practice can actually be so beneficial in our day-to-day -day lives because often we experience things in cycles coming back. Similar patterns in relationship, similar patterns with conflicts with working colleagues or with setups in our life and suddenly we think, oh, we, we left one and after two years, we find ourselves in the same situation. So there we see that life works in cyclic patterns. And the inspiration can be a very beautiful tool because suddenly it gives me a possibility to change the cycles. And that's very healing. Yes, and these cycles that show up, um, you speak to it at the individual level. But there's also the collective patterns and repetitions. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about this. Yes, the collective consciousness is actually, we all contribute to this, and that there is a kind of a bigger force that we are living in, so that we all co-create. And the same as in an individual, there are places in my life that I am aware of. But then often there are places in our lives where we just see symptoms that we often don't like, but we don't know how they come. And this is 
what also modern psychology calls the, the shadow areas. So, and I believe that a healthy spiritual practice also helps us to look at the shadow areas because first of all, they create effects in my reality that I often label as problems. Secondly, I am not able in my shadow areas to fully relate to life. And the third point is that within the shadow area, there is an intelligence, part of my potential, trapped, that cannot continue its movement. And I believe when we create a potential-oriented society, so that I am very much committed to your potential. What I want to see is you in the best, and you in your highest light, and you in your best flowering. And if you are interested in me in the same way, and we are in others, so we will start to support this flowering, which also means we will help each other to integrate the shadow parts and get this, this intelligence working for us. And so the society is also composed by the places where we are aware what's happening and by places where we are not aware what's happening. A global financial crisis only means that in our collective development with finances, there are shadow areas in our financial system. A shadow area means that we are in a house and the wooden floor is not stable. So when you walk there, suddenly you can break through and there's a hole in the ground. So a crisis is actually either a very strong call to develop into the future potential or to reintegrate shadow areas that let us go into a regression, into former states of development. And so a crisis is always a call. It's actually a good thing because the crisis shows us that something is not in a healthy balance. Uh, and we need to look at some stuff. So there is this, and of course, and this is what we worked in Germany with, is that, um, that there is a kind of a collective shadow that we need to uh, integrate sometimes. And, um, and in Germany, of course, the Holocaust shadow is a very strong imprint in the, in the German-Jewish relationship, and it causes some effects in society on a bigger level that will express itself as individual symptoms. So some people will suffer individually from a collective shadow. So and can you mention um, some of the specific ways when you're having these conversations with the participants who show up to work with this? Yes, how it happens, because I, I do quite uh, big groups in Germany, and what often happens is that when the group becomes more intense, it's that the intensity is rising, that suddenly 30, 40 people start crying at once. Or they start seeing horrible visions. They, like, they tap into, the group taps into the collective unconscious and this, this strong suppressed material that has been there will come up through people that become more aware. You know, so if people get more sensitive, if they get more open, if they get more aware of, of the life that they are living in, they are also, in a way, the gateways, because they are more open, collective unconscious material can channel itself from the neglection in, back into life, because every shadow wants to come back into life. So when we practice spiritual practice, we actually need to look at the shadow, because it's part of our collective path. And... Um, and then we definitely look at the integration process, so to, to be open for this and help it transform into potential. 
And what we did for this is we created in the meanwhile four collective events. The last one was with 900 people in a university. And we literally we designed an event where we invited uh, international speakers and we created a kind of a setup that helps us to connect to this collective shadow with a big group of people and help it transform through our awareness. So we are actually the future for a past that is open to be like a, a conduit or like uh, an open hole that the collective shadow can transform itself back into life because uh, many people don't want to feel how this feels. How are they able to take this experience back into their daily life? They've had a supportive environment in the workshop, you're holding the space for this to emerge, and then they go back to their day-to-day -day world with their families, their communities. What have you heard back from this? So, of course, it's a kind of emotionally difficult setup first. So people, when they actually allow the vulnerability to be there, then they will feel what this act really means. And so the only realization from atrocities like this is that enough people will be naked enough, inside, naked enough, to allow the deep intensity of feeling of what it means to do this to people. And if there are enough people that will be open, like standing naked in the pain of it, there is a collective realization of uh, what it means. And this is the only place of responsibility, I believe. Because as a human being, we are totally naked to the fact what this means. It's in our face, it's in our feelings. It's not just an intellectual work. It's a, because in Germany, what is very good is that the, the public is very open and the wound is open in the public arena. So there's a, a high level of responsibility already. But often it stays on an intellectual level and we want to include all the levels. And then when people do this, they can, they can really take a realization back to their lives. There's a quote from your book, I think, that speaks to this. What would a world look like in which people could see everything of each other? If everybody were able to see and know everything about everybody else, what kind of world this would be? Right. I'm here with Thomas Hubel. He's the author of Transparence, an adventure in seeing yourself and others more clearly. If you'd like to be in touch with Thomas or want to learn more about his work, you can go to his website, thomashubel.com. T-H-O-M-A-S-H-U-E-B-L dot com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Glenn Sabera. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Thomas Hubel. He's the author of Transparence, an adventure in seeing yourself and others more clearly. If you'd like to be in touch with Thomas or want to learn more about his work, you can go to his website, thomashubel.com, T-H-O-M-A-S-H-U-E-B-L.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Thomas, we just spoke about some of your collective shadow work with the German population. And I was touched about the place of vulnerability that you were able to drop into beyond just the mental understanding of our historical past. Right. Um, tell me more about that. So, as I said, I think every time in life we do something that is not in alignment with life, the only realization that can come is if I deeply allow myself to feel what had happened. And I think there is a chance here, because I also live part of my, my time in Israel, and uh, so there is a chance here that we can actually get the collective insight, not just the insight of one human being or two, like a collective insight for something that can literally transform something for humanity. Because in, in, it's, not just, it's not about Germany, it can also happen in South Africa or somewhere else. But what needs to happen is really this deep, vulnerable uh, intensity that it means. And if I allow this through all my protections and defenses and ways of how to avoid intensity, then literally I will have an insight from this. And I think if we apply this to kind of this collective shadow, there can be a profound healing and uh, movement forward in development, so that literally we have a, a learning step, but on a collective level, which will ripple out into humanity, so that we literally understand how we deal with it, because all our law system can learn from this as well, or the law system is, has the same challenges. So, and I think every time in life we see that there is an action that is not in alignment with life, the realization will take us further. But the realization comes through a naked confrontation. Like that I really let it deeply in what it means. And um, so, and I think this is a very important work because it influences many people, because it's a collective energy. So many people feel it in their lives and it affects them. So this is part of our spiritual practice as well. Absolutely. And in your book, you talk about how to be in touch with this and cultivate it in our day-to-day -day living through a process called transparent communication. Right. Transparent communication means I put the assumption into the space that how would the world look like if, if we are able to perceive the vastness of information that we all radiate into the space. So there is actually... Uh, every human being for me radiates all the information and I'm quite radical from the, the past and the future into this moment. And when we communicate, we often take only a very tiny fraction of this information and we talk about the tiny fraction. But this often leaves our communication in symptomatic uh, levels. So we exchange symptoms. And I think it will be very enriching, very alive, and also very deep when we uh, relate more to the sources of these symptoms instead of staying stuck with the symptoms. So when there is a question and an answer, mostly they are separate. In the surface of my thinking, they might be separate. 
But if I deepen and I find the place where they actually split, this is the place where the profound healing and insight can happen. And com uh, transparent communication is that we expand our level of awareness to the information that human beings radiate and transmit. And we transmit all of us just by being here. It's like reading a book. And if we can open a book and read, so we get a lot of information. And um, this will help us in, in companies and in institutions. This helps us in all in intimate relationships because we stop relating to symptoms and we are looking for the origin of it. And this is what brings us closer together. This is what lets us be more inspirational with each other, more creative. And this, I believe, will lead to the fact that we will create a kind of a we, like as a culture, that is much more intelligent because we don't lose so much energy in interpersonal friction. Often you look in companies and the fact that they are all in the same room doesn't mean that they are all working together. Because often in companies people are just bullying each other and trying to get a bit of advantage. So they are actually working against each other, but for the same company. And so how can we create environments where we all join forces and we are interested in the best of everybody and this will create a jump for the whole company because it's another participation. In, in a workshop I participated in with you, you led an activity where we had a conversation with the person next to us about the details of our day. But then when you talked about the conversation with us, you asked us to look at another level of what was going on in that conversation. Right. So because often we talk to people on the surface and what, what we are learning is that we deepen our presence and awareness so that we, we are not just stuck with the theater play of life. The theater play is only one level of reality. But deepening our listening, deepening our participation will lead to the fact that when I speak, the competency here is when I speak, I am aware of what I want to say, I am aware of the space between us, and I am aware of what you are hearing. Most of the people are just aware of what they want to communicate. But they, they don't have a feeling and an awareness of the listening of the other person. So if I see that you, not with words, but you are listening to me, but you are not listening, so inside you are somewhere else, but you are still here physically. And this happens often in communication. You see people talking to each other, but they are not there. So if I talk to someone that actually says no inside, because either they are busy with something else or they don't want to talk to the person, but they are polite, something like this. So then actually I, I talk against the wall, which is actually a loss of energy. It's not uh, efficient and it creates even a pressure. And this is just a small uh, example from day to day life where you come, you are in a communication with someone and then you go out from the talk and you're a bit more tired than when you went into the talk. Every time this happens, it means that I have not been aware to the dynamic, the interpersonal dynamic that happened. And so being more aware, being more mindful, being more awake, however we call it, also includes this competency. Because I cannot say I'm more awake, but then I don't get the dynamics that are happening. So, and I think that this can enrich our life. This will clear out some stuff that is not authentic. And it will leave us more and more with the authenticity of who we are. And I think many people are longing for this. Because if you're really honest, most of the people, and I believe it's not from our ego, there's another version from our ego, but most of the people 
feel very happy when they feel deeply seen. For everybody, it feels like a healing. If you deeply see them, people open up. If you feel deeply seen, you can relax into the space of trust and connection that we create together. And imagine that this will be the base of our society, that we all look with our hearts, with our minds, with our spirit, and we, we are really interested in seeing. And for, for young people and people who are um, developing children, that for them it's so good. You know, everybody that felt seen from the parents, from the teachers, in their potential, this makes you happy because it makes you happy because you get a positive feedback to your intelligence, whatever your intelligence is. And then you are happy to develop it. So we need to become this field of seeing and support. And I think this will change the, the, our intelligence as a culture. It's always available to us, isn't it? This right. ability to have the channel open, to see and be seen, to uh, participate in the marriage of the two competencies you spoke about at the beginning of the interview. Right, and, very uh, much. Communication and relationship is really a good way where these come together. Yes, because we live in an age, most of us and most of the people that are listening now, they are, we are not living in a cave. So we are participating on the marketplace in different activities. Many people think, okay, they are living in relationships with families, they are living in... Um, in a, in a working environment. So this is where we collect our experiences. This is where we express ourselves. So this is the place actually where you can practice. As long as you decide to live there, I think we need to live there fully. And every part of us that we are holding back creates a tension. All the tension in our bodies is created by intelligence that is not allowed to live. So we are holding back intelligence and then we suffer from the, the, the contractions and the symptoms in our bodies. So, but if we create a culture that will support the expression of this intelligence, also our health, our public health, collective health and individual health will flower. Because when you are in a flow, you are more happy, you are more alive, you are more vital, you are more willing to participate. So these are all qualities that we want to see in the world. In, in your book, you talk about getting in touch with the subtle energies right. going on in our bodies um, if there is a contraction. So at that moment, we recognize a contraction. What is there to do from that point? First of all, contraction means that I will say no to a certain part of life. So I need to become aware of my no, because the effects of the contraction look as if it happens to me. The best way is people say, oh, I have a contraction in my back which means I have nothing to do with the process of contracting. There is a, like an alien in my back. So this is already part of the pathology. So when I re-own the fact that I contract my muscles in the back, then I can uh, see what I resist and I can bring it into a new level of connection to the world. An invitation to look deeper into ourselves and this connection. Mm. Good. Thank you. I'm here with Thomas Hubel. He's the author of Transparence, an adventure in seeing yourself and others more clearly. If you'd like to be in touch with Thomas or want to learn more about his work, you can go to his website, thomashubel.com, T-H-O-M-A-S-H-U-E-B-L.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Glenn Sabera. You've been listening to New Dimensions. 
This is program number 3435. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.